So happy to be with you in these moments, uh, a season here at Providence Church where God has uh, called us into prayer, into a time of prayer, into a season of prayer. One of the things that we are doing during this season is on Monday nights, having a Monday night prayer meeting, a Monday night prayer gathering right here in the worship center at Providence Church in Mount Juliet. If you're anywhere in the area and can join us every Monday night at 6.30, we're having a special time where we can really uh, extend out a bit and spend time with God and spend time intentionally in prayer. If you're looking for power or healing or just to have some of the lies dispelled in your life, I would love for you to join us here on Monday nights. If you're not in the area, uh, we believe in the power of the connection of prayer, and we just invite you at 6.30 p.m. Central Time to be in prayer as we as a church journey together. Also, I want to let you know that we will be praying over homes uh, starting this Sunday and over the next couple of weeks on Sunday afternoons. We have groups of folks that will just go out into the neighborhoods and pray over your home if you so desire. You can go to prov.church slash sign up, and that's a place where you can sign up. Let us know some specific prayer requests for you, and we're going to be going out praying in the neighborhoods, praying that your house could become a house of prayer. Again, if you're not in the area, you can still go to that same sign-up, put some information in, we'll have somebody contact you because prayer uh, knows no bounds, no geographical boundaries for that, so we'd love for you to sign up to receive prayer. Today, what I want to tell you about is a story about a guy who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. He prayed for God to show up, for God to, to move in his life, for God to use him in his life. And that is exactly what happened. And then this man experienced a great episode of discouragement. So I'll say that again. There was this guy, I'm going to tell you his story. He actually prayed in a time of drought that a cloud would come and that rain would come. And God actually answered his prayer. And then it seems a cloud of discouragement came right down upon his head and he was pushed down into the ground. So we're gonna talk about a guy who prayed and prayed and prayed and then became discouraged because right in this season, as we are praying and praying and praying, some of us are still feeling discouragement. Some of us are still feeling pushed down and we're wondering, are we ever gonna be able to lift our head up? So in the story I'm gonna tell you, the guy who experiences great discouragement then finds great encouragement. God picks him up off the ground, sets his feet down, and he walks in this new way of life, encouraged because of what God did in his life. And that's what I wanna share with you today, that in your life, God is coming to rescue you, pull you up, encourage you. It's about to happen is what I'm saying. It's about to happen if we can have the kind of faith that can look at a sky that has not a cloud in sight and believe that rain can fall from it. So I wanna tell you an encouraging story today about how our prayer can connect to maybe a push-down feeling that we have. And the story that I wanna tell you about today is the story of a man named Elijah. Now, we find Elijah's story in the Bible in the Old Testament, so in the front half, there is a little book called First Kings. You may even have to go to the table of contents to find it. This book was written about 700 years before Jesus, and in it, Elijah is a prophet that we know of today, but in his day, Elijah was known as a troublemaker. That's right. Elijah, who think of in this great terms, in his day, he was thought of as a troublemaker. And it got me thinking, some people that we know as prophets uh, today, back when they were doing their thing, people thought they were big trouble. 
Now, some folks who are troublemakers are known as troublemakers later on, but I do want you to know that some folks, maybe in our midst, who we think are troublemakers will end up being the prophets who we see were telling us the truth. The reason we know that Elijah was a troublemaker is because he is described as that by the king of the day, King Ahab, calls Elijah the troubler of Israel. Now, understand what we're talking about here, what Elijah did is what we might call good trouble, if we're going to use a phrase uh, from our present day from the late Representative John Lewis. He talked about a good trouble that can stir things up to get people to see the truth so that real change can actually happen. That's what Elijah was doing. He was causing good trouble for God. And in that time that he was living, there was a three-year drought. The three-year drought led to a famine. It was just a terrible time in the nation. They would have thought about it as the hardest time they had ever faced. And Elijah's most famous story is an epic showdown between him, this one prophet of our God, and 850 prophets of the gods of those days, two gods, one called Baal and one called Asherah. And so Elijah stages this great showdown between himself and these 850 other prophets. The showdown is whoever's God can make fire come from heaven and burn up an altar, we will know that God is the true God. And Elijah, in dramatic fashion, one versus 850, his God shows up, his God comes through, and the other gods do not. That's not our story for today, but I wanted you to know the setting because where we pick up is right after that, Elijah is standing with that king, Ahab, after his God has been victorious and after the gods of the kingdom have been proven to be worthless, foolish, and having no power. Elijah says to the king, he says, King Ahab, go get something to eat. And then he says, I hear the sound of a heavy rain, but it's not raining. Elijah says, I hear raindrops. Do you hear that, king? And the king doesn't hear anything. What Elijah was doing is before God brought rain from the sky, he was making sure everybody knew that the king's god, king's gods couldn't win a contest against just one prophet of the true God. Let me read it to you. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So, Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Elijah staged a great showdown. God made, made God look great, and he told the king whose kingdom was crumbling because there was a drought and a famine, he told him, there's a storm coming, can you hear it? And then he climbed up on a mountain, got down on his knees, and put his face on the ground. He had just told the king that something was going to happen that was not happening, and Elijah began to pray for rain. It's a very interesting story because Elijah will not lift his face off of the ground in prayer. He has his assistant with him, his servant, his buddy, and so he tells his, buddy, he tells, he tells his assistant, he says, I want you to go and look out at the sea and Tell me if you see any clouds coming <laughs> from the sea. Elijah, though, won't move. He's got his face down. He's praying. And his assistant comes back, and he says, there's no clouds, boss. So Elijah keeps praying. He prays a little bit longer, and he, he calls to his, his servant again. He says, all right, go look. Go look at the sea. Tell me if you see any clouds coming off of the sea. And the, the servant goes and looks, and he comes back, and he says, no clouds. This story uh, 
this sequence is repeated actually six times. And so I don't want to belabor the point, but I want you to feel it just a little bit, what's happening. Elijah's just talked a big talk about his God, and now he's praying his heart out. And so he says to the assistant, one time, go take a look. And he comes back and he says, no clouds, boss. He sends him a second time. He comes back and says, there's no clouds. Elijah keeps praying. He never lifts his face off the ground. Go look again. He comes back and he says, there's no clouds. He sends him again. The fourth time he comes back, Elijah's still praying. He says, nothing. Elijah keeps praying. He keeps praying. He keeps praying. He calls to him. He says, go look at the sea. I can't look. Will you go look? And he goes and looks and he comes back and he says, there's no clouds. He sends him again after praying and praying. And the guy comes back and he says, there is nothing in the sky. Elijah doesn't give up. He prays and he prays and he sends his servant back a seventh time. And the seventh time when the servant comes back, he says, I see a cloud. It's the size of my hand and it's rising out of the water. After that, we have to get ready for one of like the baddest responses in the Bible. (laughs) Elijah says, go and tell the king to hitch up his chariot because the roads are about to flood. He says, go hitch up your chariot and tell him to go down before the rain stops you. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. And now he sees a cloud the size of his hand rising out of the sea. And he says, king, you better get home because the roads are going to be covered in water. (laughs) Immediately in the Bible story, we are shifted from this moment when the rain is pouring from the sky. Elijah tucks his robe into his belt and runs down from the mountain The king gets in his chariot and goes home, and immediately we shift into, I guess, into the palace courts. King Ahab is sitting with his wife Jezebel. He tells her the whole story of the the prophets uh, uh, on the the mountain, 850, and his wife Jezebel is known. This is what she's known for. She is known as a passionate worshiper of the God of Baal, one of those gods who is humiliated. And she is so humiliated and she is so incensed by what Elijah has done that she doesn't even notice that it's raining cats and dogs outside and their kingdom is being saved. That the the water is is, is tilling up the the dirt and and the crops will will thrive again and the the livestock will will be able to, to, to thrive again. She doesn't even hear the rain. She's so humiliated because her reputation has been tarnished. And Queen Jezebel issues a decree to her husband, and says, by this time tomorrow, Elijah must be dead. She says, in 24 hours, he has to be dead. We can't stand for this. And so Elijah, this prophet who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, becomes a prophet who runs and runs and runs and runs. Elijah runs away. He runs from Mount Carmel where he is 100 miles away to a place called Beersheba. And when he gets there, his buddy has come with him, that assistant, you know, who went seven times. And he leaves his assistant. He says, stay here, I'm going further. And Elijah goes another day into the wilderness. And it's there that he prays again. But listen to what Elijah prays now, 1 Kings chapter 19. It says he came to a broom bush sat down under it, and prayed that he would die. We actually have the words to his prayer. I'm going to read it to you. The very next verse, he says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And it's this line, guys, I have had enough, that drew me here today 
It's this line that I felt like God wanted to show us. As a pastor of a church that has a bunch of wonderful people, I have heard this phrase said just this way, I have had enough more times in the last two months than I have combined in 20 years. I promise you. I've heard more of us say, I have had enough. I think God led us to this 2,700-year-old line because we are hearing it over and over and over. I have had enough. You know, people will say it to me now, and I don't even need any context. <laughs> They'll just say, I've had enough. I had a guy out in the lobby on, on Sunday. Across the lobby, he says to me, he said, Pastor, I've had enough. <laughs> I was like, good morning to you, sir. <laughs> you know, it's like we're just addressing ourselves with this line, I have had enough. And if I could see you, I'd ask you to raise your hand if you could say, you've felt that way lately. I have had enough. We've said, I've had enough of this COVID season. I've had enough of this division. I've had enough of, of, of masks and the way you feel about masks and the way you don't feel about masks. You know, we just say, I've had enough. I've had enough to hear of another black man shot by a police officer. I've had enough. And if that starts some argument in your head, I would ask you to at least hear the cry of our brothers and sisters with black and brown skin and hear them saying, I've had enough. Our teenagers have had enough. They're struggling. The psychiatric hallways for adolescents in this city of Nashville are full, and we're struggling to find places for our teenagers to get the help that they need because they're saying, I've had enough of this time. And courageous, good troublemaker Elijah, you know, the one who stood before 850 prophets and called down the fire of God, Elijah, who stayed on his face, and said, until you see a cloud in the sky, will not lift, because I believe that God can do the impossible. You know, Elijah, who told the king, you better jump in your chariot, buddy, because the rain is coming, and it's going to cover the roads. That Elijah, we find in rapid time, is so discouraged that he tells God to end it. He says, I've had enough. So what does the great prophet Elijah do out in the wilderness? He takes a nap. He's depressed, guys. He takes a nap. He lays down under a broom bush, which looks just the way you would picture it. A scraggly old bush tree out in the wilderness, rocks underneath it. This is not a hammock under a maple tree on a Tennessee spring day. This is a broom bush in the desert of northern Israel where your pillow is a rock. He's not laying down to take a nap. He's laying down to die. He's had enough. And the scripture says that when he lays down, that God comes and touches him there, and when he wakes up, there's some freshly baked bread and a jar of water. Let me read it to you. He lay down under the bush and fell asleep, and at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat, get up and eat. And so Elijah, he looks around, and there by his head is some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down a good. You heard it? right there, that after Elijah gets his uh, nourishment there, he takes another nap. He's exhausted. So the angel comes back. That's what happens. It says the angel of the Lord comes back a second time and touches him and says, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Let me read that again. When God comes back to him, he says, get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. I love this part. 
God agrees with Elijah. Elijah says, I've had enough. And God says, this journey is too much for you. So rest, eat, drink. I've been wondering about this. You know, how did Elijah go from this confident troublemaker exposing the false gods of his culture, bringing rain from the sky into a guy who's now alone in the desert praying to die? Well, here's how it happened. I can tell you, it's clear as day in the story. When God was being glorified through Elijah, his enemy took notice and issued a death warrant. So as God was using Elijah, remember the prayers, remember the cloud? Somebody else, his enemy said, I can't stand for this. You know, the enemy does not like a man who prays and prays and prays and prays. The enemy does not like a man who's picturing rain clouds during a drought. The enemy does not like a a woman who exposes that the people in power are actually telling lies. So if you want to get into the prayer business, you better know that the enemy will come. And the enemy's trick when a nation is really struggling and the people of God can see our only hope is in God, the enemy's trick in that time is to discourage the prayers. When a nation's really at its wit's end, and the people of God are praying, and they can see, oh, I can see, I can see what, I can see how God can save us. The enemy's trick will be to discourage the one who prays. You see, the enemy cannot beat God in a fire from heaven contest. Nobody can out-God God. God will always win the supernatural every time. The only way the enemy can keep his hold on kings and presidents and nations and kingdoms is by discouraging the faithful ones who pray. Elijah was so discouraged. You know, he was so discouraged when he heard that Jezebel was wanting to kill him that a few days later he was saying, I'll I'll do it for her. And that's what we do. You know, and I'm not necessarily talking about suicide, though that's a real danger. Our discouragement leads us to start doing the things that take our life away. And the enemy wins, and the enemy wins. That's what Elijah did. At first, he was just a little bit afraid. But then he runs four marathons away from Carmel to Beersheba, 100 miles. I mean, can you imagine how tired he was? And when he gets there, he leaves his running buddy, this one guy who stuck with him. He tells him, just stay here. I'm going to go and do this alone. What I see here is that exhaustion plus isolation equals I've had enough. Exhaustion plus isolation equals I've had enough. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm in this with you. But we've all been saying, I've had enough. Well, exhaustion plus isolation equals I've had enough. If you feel discouraged today, and if you wonder, how did I go from wanting to take on the world and pray for rain clouds to now lying under a broom tree? I can tell you, the enemy sought to discourage you, and you went faster instead of slowing down, and instead of staying close you isolated. The enemy sought to discourage you, and instead of slowing down, you sped up, and instead of staying close, like to people and to God, you isolated. That was a lot of you statements. Let me, let me say it a different way. I can mark March 2020 to March 2021 as my most discouraging year. Easy. Now, I would generally have thought of myself as a guy who would pray for rain clouds when nobody else could see them. Like, that's how I would have thought of myself. 
but I can look at March 2020 to March 2021 and look back and say, I was primed, you know, to kick the enemy's tail. And instead, I let myself get a little discouraged. And that led me to start running some marathons back to back to back. And that led me to leave some people behind. And that led me to a place where I would say, I've had enough. I had moments this year where I said, I've had enough. But guess what, guys? When we reach our furthest discouragement point, where we've left, back by, we've left behind our last friend and said, I'm taking this on my own, and we go out to that broom tree, there's somebody there waiting for us, and it's the God who can bring fire from heaven. And what he does is welcomes us to take a nap and then another nap. And each time we wake up, God has baked a loaf of bread for us and set a jar of water. Instead of praying to die, we're supposed to be praying for protection. Instead of coming to this end of our rope, say, I've had enough, God is inviting us to, to pray for protection, to claim it, and to say, there's no, there's no further link that I can go that God won't meet me. Instead of running another marathon, some of you are on back-to-back-to-back marathons. We need to be praying for refreshment, that God wants to you know, take some drinks off ice and bake some bread for us and refresh our souls. Instead of leaving our friends behind to walk another day into the wilderness, this is the time to pray for companionship, to pray for a friend, to pray for a spiritual companion. And most of all, instead of trying to do everything you can to get away from God, pray for his presence. That's what we're doing in this season, just praying for God's presence, praying for him to meet us underneath our broom trees, to wake up by the touch of an angel and see what he has set for us and to feel him lift us up. In this prayer season, guys, I want us to start believing in clouds in the sky that nobody else can see. I want us to start saying to each other, can you hear the raindrops? Can you hear the raindrops? And other people will be looking around, it's not raining, but we're believing in something that only God can do. I want us to believe that we could be the ones in the midst of a nation that is hurting and divided and at its wit's end, it seems. We're in a nation of people saying, I've had enough, that we would be the faithful prayers and just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Not one day we would see that God has brought the rain in the midst of our drought, that God has brought the, crop, the, the crops from the ground in our famine and that God has restored us. So, follower of God, I say to you today, let God encourage you. Let God lift you up. Let God let you take a nap. <laughs> let God give you what you need. And what we will do is pray and pray and pray. We're going to move into a time of prayer. Uh, Pastor Mark is going to come, who's one of our, one of my dear spiritual companions. And he's going to lead us through prayer this week as we pray for protection refreshment, companionship, and just for his presence, the presence of God. We lay it all down. We lay it all down now. We've run as far as we can run. We lay it all down. We surrender. We surrender to God.